just a few more pages over in your pew Bible on page 812, you can find our gospel lesson for this morning. We're continuing this morning in Mark chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 14 through 20. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So last week, Aaron continued our series on the mystery of Jesus, setting the stage for the calling of Christ followers, beginning with Nathaniel's epiphany. Our text this week continues that call, bringing us back to the Gospel of Mark as Jesus adds to his followers. Unlike when Jesus seems to watch Nathaniel in the Gospel of John from a distance, and wait to have a conversation with him, there is much more urgency in Mark's gospel. I almost feel like I should have asked Adam to play a little dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun to set the tone as I read the passage. You see, Jesus is on a mission, and he is inviting others to join him. Throughout the gospel of Mark, we get this sense of urgency. The first time we hear Christ speak in the gospel, he says, now is the time. Over and over again, we hear the word immediately, almost as if it could give us whiplash on some occasion. For one time, Jesus is here, and immediately he is in another place. It's used 40 plus times in the Gospel of Mark, and only additional 12 times in the rest of the New Testament. But to get the best sense of just how much immediately is used in the Gospel of Mark, it would be better for us to hear it as the original audience heard it. That is to say, in one fell swoop out loud. So, if you will, Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to read you the whole text this morning. But I do encourage you to go home and read from beginning to end the gospel of Mark. It is the shortest of the four gospels, of after all, gospels after all. And when you do this, The 40-plus time that Mark uses the word immediately will jump off of the page for you, and you won't be able to miss the sense of urgency in our story. Mark's gospel has Jesus on the move. He doesn't have much time left. 
Jesus has called his disciples, and they have come on a mission. Indeed, Mark is only 16 chapters long. Jesus begins his ministry in chapter 1, and by the time we get to chapter 8, he's already on his way to Jerusalem for the last week of his life. Jesus is proclaiming that God's reign is here and now. And those who hear it should respond immediately. The response we are called to is clear. Repent. Change your heart. Stop what you are doing and follow Christ. As we've come to expect, immediately both sets of brothers stop what they are doing and follow Jesus. The call disrupts their daily life. It seems as if they are both in the midst of their work and possibly guiding a crew of other fishermen as they seem to be leaders in this industry. But they don't say, okay, Jesus, just let us figure out our succession plan and make sure that our families are taken care of, and then we'll meet up with you at our next stop. Okay, is that all right? Can we follow you that way? No. They stop what they are doing. The text tells us they drop their nets and immediately follow after Christ, leaving behind their obligations. Pastor Teresa Cho tells a story of disruption for Candy Chang that finally thrust her life into action. For Chang, creator of the Before I Die campaign, It was the sudden death of her dear friend that woke her up from living a life of complacency to a life intended to live with a sense of urgency. Perhaps you're familiar with this movement as Tallahassee had its own Before I Die installation at the corner of MLK and Gaines Street. Thoughts of death and grief brought clarity to what was meaningful in Chang's life. With an abandoned house across the street from her in the city of New Orleans, Chang wondered how she could use this property as a public space where people could connect. Taking that neglected space and making it something constructive, a place of loneliness into a reminder that we are not alone. So Chang turned the house into a chalkboard and wrote the sentence, Before I die, I want to dot, dot, dot. The blank space was intended to be an invitation for passers-by to complete the sentence with their own words. The words ranged from silly to profound, from hopeful to regret to joy. Chang resonated this campaign with so many that it began to spread around the globe. People would write things such as, before I die, I want to sing to millions. Before I die, I want to plant a tree. Before I die, I want to live off the grid. Before I die, I want to hold her one more time. Before I die, I want to follow my childhood dream. I think this Before I Die campaign gained traction because it helped people think about their life 
in a way that caused them to want to live with more urgency, considering how they might change the ways they were living to live here and now. I love when I'm preparing for a sermon and it's a familiar text and then I stumble across something simple yet profound and it changes the way I hear the message. Jin Young Chow in their work, The Misunderstanding of Jesus' Disciples in Mark, points out that here Jesus doesn't call individual followers. Did you catch that? Rather, Jesus calls in pairs, in a community-centered way. Jesus doesn't expect his followers to journey alone, but rather calls them in anticipation of a partnered ministry. While Jesus calls them in a way that disrupts their lives and even trumps their family loyalties, the call was not expected or even intended to be a call of isolation. Just as Jesus called the fishermen to follow, I believe God is calling to each of us. God's reign is here. God's reign is now. Change your hearts and walk in the way of Christ. And if you look around you, I hope you'll realize that you are not called alone to this journey. God is calling each of us with the same sense of urgency. But in doing so, God is calling us to serve alongside the community, to walk side by side as we seek to follow Christ. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is a good reminder of God's grace as we discern how we are called and how we're supposed to answer. You're probably familiar with the story of God's call to Jonah. When Jonah first recognizes that God is calling him to go to Nineveh, does he go just as he is supposed to? No. Similar to my two-year-old, he hears what he is supposed to do, and instead of doing it, he does the opposite. He runs the other way. And you know when he does, the scripture tells us that he was swallowed up by a big fish. Finally, out of the belly of the fish, free to hear God's call again, we receive the verses that Carter read to us a few moments ago. Jonah has another chance to answer the call. And this time, when he chooses to answer God's call, it's not simply his heart that is changed but countless others are offered a chance at redemption. The call of Christ is clear. It is designed to shake us from a place of comfort, from our daily routines. Follow me. How we are called to live into that urgent mission is going to look different for each of us. I can imagine a few calls, though. Perhaps, as you drive around the city, you see our unhoused neighbors, and you continue to feel heartache. Might God be calling you to roll up your sleeves and 
serve alongside the faith team that volunteers at the Kearney Center on the third Friday of the month, or to give your time to Capital City Youth Services, our community partner that supports unhoused teens. That's not you? Perhaps you're recently retired and you've been enjoying spending your time in Bible study, you've been a diligent servant on the session, but now what? Perhaps God is calling you to serve as a commissioned ruling elder, those folks in our presbytery who help smaller congregations, who would be without pastoral leadership were it not for those folks. Still not you, okay? Maybe you have an extra bedroom in your house, and you did a decent job of raising your children. Might God be calling you to spend a little more time and energy with the children of our community by utilizing your time and talents to serve as a foster parent? I could go on, but it's not my voice we're supposed to be listening to, but rather for God's. I cannot say for certainty what God is calling you to, but I am confident that God is calling each of us to follow. I guess that's the part of the mystery of Christ. We aren't given a roadmap of exactly where we are going. We are simply called, follow me. And with that call, we do have a promise that we do not go alone. Called alongside one another, may we as a community of faith immediately follow, even if we only see one step ahead. I think my favorite prayer from Thomas Merton could be helpful for us, especially if you are like me and sometimes feel a little bit of anxiety about the unknown especially as it comes to thinking of Christ's call for us. And so as I close out, I invite you to pray with me. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though at times I may seem lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me and will never leave me alone. Amen. <laughs>